welcome here this morning in that. Um, I, I want to share really just a thing that's been in my heart. Um, and I want to speak to you about uh, a father's journey. A father's journey. And um, regarding from the word, I'm going to use two examples of actually two fathers in the Bible. And um, I'm going to try to get through this. So just bear with me in that. But I really believe God wants to deposit something in our lives in the season where we're at right now and for what God is going to do in the future. So um, um, it's going to be food for the journey. All right. So um, we've said this before that, that the culture of revival that God is creating in this house is... Um, it is not just, you know, even the fact of having to, and we're going to be moving to a new venue, and we're trusting everything's going to come in line with premises, whatever, whatever. But um, it is not about Breakthrough City Church being on the map with whatever things, you know. Um, it is really about, um, it's not about making Breakthrough City Church famous, but making God famous. So what we are trusting for is not, well, we want to just see the revival. We want to see personal revival. You need to have personal revival with God, personal encounters with God, all right? It's not about how many people we get in here. We want to see the kingdom expand, hit the city, the region, the nations, and um, so it is about personal revival. Um, I want us to look at, I'm going to quickly read through this in, um, it's actually in the book of Mark there, it's in the other gospels as well. Um, you can turn to um, Mark chapter 5, Mark Chapter 5. All right. If you can turn with, you've got your Bibles. So I'm going to tell basically the story from verse 22. We're going to read there quickly. So it says, yeah, it speaks about, um, you, you've heard about the woman with the issue of blood. Right. Normally we read that. Now I'm going to speak about, in the story of the woman with the issue of blood was another story happening, by the way. I'm going to read about that. So just, just follow where I'm going to go. So in verse 22, I'm going to speak about a ruler, one of the rulers, his name was Jairus. And he was a ruler of the synagogue. So it says here in verse 22, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, to, came Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell, in his feet, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and, uh, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of, for 12 years and suffered many. Okay, and it carries on about that. And then it speaks about how she touches his garment and he's healed. And immediately everyone's pushing against him. And he turns around and he says, who, who touched me? You know that story? Okay. So let's just run a bit forward. And so you have this thing where verse, verse 30 speaks about who touched my clothes. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and who touched me. Verse 32. And he looked around to see her uh, who had done this thing. And he continues speaking about there. And then what happens is this. Um, uh, we, we skip over and we go further down to verse. Um, uh, where are we now? Let me just jump over here. Turn over here. So, let's turn to have a look at verse 32. And he permitted no one to follow him except, uh, no, sorry, let's go but back. Um, verse 
33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell before him, and he told him, and he told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now verse 35 says this. says, While he was still speaking, some from the rulers of the synagogue's house, uh, uh, house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as, so he has the story that's actually started already with Jairus, which was a synagogue ruler. And then this is happening. He's speaking to Jesus, and then there's this crowd, and then there's the woman with the issue of blood. Now this whole thing is still playing it off. And the next minute, yeah, he says, and, and he permitted no one to... Uh, yeah. So he's basically, the crowd comes and they say, listen, the do- your daughter's dead. So he has this ruler whose daughter was very sick, and at death, and he had come to Jesus to say, listen, please come help me. And then there's, there's this other interruption. And the woman of the issue of blood gets healed, and the next minute the guard, Jairus, is there, and there's these people come and say, listen, you don't need to worry anymore, your daughter's dead. Okay? And then he came, then basically what Jesus does and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he ca- uh, came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed, they laughed at him. They ridiculed him, but when he had put them all uh, uh, outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and told her, Talita, Kumi, which translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years old of age, and they were overcame with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly to say nothing to anyone. You know? So there's a story that plays it off like this. Now, um, you know what? Um, some of us sometimes find this that there are moments in life where um, we are also calling on Jesus. Some of you might be sitting there or listening, whatever, where you're in a situation and you're calling on Jesus. And, um, you know, it's this thing where it's, it might be a stressful situation that you might find yourself in and that. And, um, you know, some of us might be saying basically, um, where is Jesus? And what happens is Jairus goes and he leaves the place that is so important to him, his house. I mean, his daughter's dying. He leaves the house, the place that is important, and he goes and he, and he, goes and he begs Jesus. And um, I mean, you can imagine this father that is in pain of, listen, my daughter's dying. Some of you might have children. Um, I also have one daughter, only one. Um, some of you might have only one child. Some of you might have more, whatever, but the, the impact is still the same. That a father's heart, you must know the pain this guy is in. And he falls at Jesus' feet. And uh, Jesus goes and he agrees and he says, listen, yes, I'll go with you to your... Um, to, to your house, he sees that this, this father, Jairus, is such a good father. And uh, you see, 
There's sometimes that you and I might be laying before the Lord and trusting the Lord for a word. And, uh, um, and we get a word from the Lord and, we, and, and in the word that we believe God has given us, we are believing that God is going to meet the need that we are in. And sometimes we des- desperately fall in at, at the Lord's feet with circumstances that we might be in. Um, but you know, sometimes along this journey, what happens is that, um, uh, you know, in this jersey, journey, uh, journey where we need this breakthrough and we fall in the Lord's feet and we need in Lord and we want to see the breakthrough and then the interruptions come in life and the distractions actually start happening. And uh, even though we need, it's like, ah, this crisis and that situation starts arising. And um, um, so, you know, (laughs) and then you hear the other person around the corner gets the breakthrough and you don't get the breakthrough. That person there gets the healing, but you're still trusting God for the healing. Hello? And it's like, you know, you might be in the situation that you said, Lord, but I believe that, that you want to turn this thing around. I believe I'm in a desperate situation. That, and, and, and so what happens is, you know, and then the other situations, and they get the breakthrough, but you don't get the breakthrough yet. So, um, you know, it might be that, Lord, but, you know, that person's need isn't as big as my situation, the need I'm in. And you're desperate for things, you know. So, you know, why? My, my, my little girl's dying at home. I'm in desperate situation. And, and, and I believe many in the body of Christ are really at desperate places. I'm serious. Not just this place, but in the, in the body across the world. They're in desperate situations. Many, many Christians find themselves. So, um, you know, sometimes we might feel, but Jesus, you're focusing, focusing there a bit too much. But what about my situation? You know, where are you in my situation? And uh, while Jairus is there, the next minute he gets this message. Listen, don't worry, you don't have to come, your daughter's dead. You don't have to worry anymore. Your situation is dead. And some of us might feel, listen, my situation feels dead. It's not the good news, by the way. But what goes on in the heart of a father what goes on in the heart of the father? What was going on in the heart of, his, of this father here? And, uh, you know, when the need Jesus is coming to meet has actually now died. How desperate situation is that that people might be facing? Now, the actual scripture speaks about this that the translation says this in the Greek there. It says, when Jesus knowing this, um, it speaks about how, so Jesus knows the situation, but the translation actually says that Jairus kept on believing. Hope against hope. Whatever your situation is, is you keep on believing. I mean, we hear, nowadays we hear so much of many people being resurrected and raised from the dead, and we pray for people who are dead to raise them from the dead. We're seeing more would happen. Why it happened in the Bible? It's the same God as 2,000 years ago. It's the same God today. Come on. That's why we see the miracles, the healings. But there's a situation. Jairus kept on believing. So sometimes um, 
um, sometimes the best you can do in these times of tension, um, you know, when your dream is dying, is actually to keep believing. You might feel this is all coming apart, my dream is dying, but it, what, what it says there, Jarius kept believing, all right? Um, you know, there can be a big crowd around you saying a lot of opposite things, but keep on believing. Guys, you put the news on. You listen to the economists. You listen to whatever. Keep on believing. So Jesus and Jairus continue walking. So they continue walking, and they go back on this journey, and um, then they see, you know, another to reinforce what has actually happened. They see these people, the mourners. They see the mourners there, and they, they're crying, they're wailing, they're playing the instruments, they, they're actually wailing and crying and stuff like that. And what Jesus goes and does is, um, Jesus actually says, why are you acting like that? You know, all the people around you, well, why are you saying that? Why are you acting like that? Jesus says, she's not dead, she's asleep. In verse 40, it says, and they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. All right? So, um, have you ever told someone your dream and people laugh at you? Have you ever told people certain things and they just, oh man, you're foolish, you're stupid. This can never be. This can never work. All right? You see, um, <laughs> what Jesus does, I like, I like what Jesus does. You know, some of us don't actually sometimes understand Jesus. He's a God of love. But you know what? He goes and he kicks the people out. Maybe we need to start doing that. Start in the house. <laughs> Start in your house, you know. But he, he kicks him out. All right, so, and uh, you see, we sometimes miss our miracle or our breakthrough because we spend time with people that don't value the things that God values. Hello? I mean, when I, I'm serious. These times I speak with people, just, you know, conversations, and I'm speaking outside the house um, most of the time. And I tell them of things. I'm saying, you know, I, I, we've seen the miracles. We've seen these signs and wonders. We've seen, and people look at me. I was even being told, you know, you shouldn't say this happened in that by Christian leaders. Sometimes you need to make sure you, you are spending time with. Hello? So, people need to carry those same values, all right? So, um, what actually starts happening is that when we are surrounded like that, we start feeding ourselves with unbelief. And yet, Jarius, what he was saying, just keep on believing. So, sometimes you've got to get out the company of those that actually are poisoning that well that you have. And because that's why your belief gets broken down. 
You know, sometimes, you know, I'm serious. There's, there's times that people are so negative. I'm oh, Jesus, you know, I just need to be refreshed after I've spoken. <laughs> you know, but sometimes, seriously, you need to just kick people out and say, listen, I'm not going to go have coffee with you. I'm not going to go do this. I'm not going to brother you now. You know what I'm speaking about. Well, Jesus did it. I'm just saying what the Bible says, by the way. So, what was happening, the people that were there actually had a lack of faith. And that is where disbelief starts to come in if you surround yourself with people like that. Um, what is important, there's a scripture, and this is so important. That's why we believe, we believe community and family in the house is so important. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. I'm telling you, I've said this over and over, and people don't like it. You know, many times people, you know, oh, I want to hear what you say about me, Jesus. Do you really sometimes? <laughs> but if iron sharpens iron, that is where we sharpen one another. <gasps> but you offended me. No, you can only be offended if you have offense in your life. Jesus didn't have offense in his life. That's why he couldn't be offended. What they did to him, he had all the right to be offended. All right, so um, when you complain a lot in life, you actually don't have faith to have a breakthrough. Go listen to what you say. If, you, if someone is negative, if you've been negative, you actually don't have faith to believe the impossible to happen. And you know, you know, people don't like being around negative people, actually. Serious. So, what happens is that getting these people out of your house gives the Lord access into intimacy with you. Because a lot of us have left our intimacy because we've got all these negative voices in our lives. And God wants us, and He's a jealous God, right? He wants our time and everything. So, um, you know, and I want to say, you know, this congregation is amazing. Um, and, um, you know, and that we have opportunities together to get alone with God, and individually that we have times to get alone with God. So I thank God for that. Um, but what Jesus does, He drags Jesus to his miracle. So if your miracle is not here yet, guess what? It is on its way. It's coming. Do you hear what I'm saying? Guys, come on. We've got to contend. Do it. Well, they're dead. Well, how dead is dead? Well, your miracle's on its way. And that's what you've got to contend for. And Jairus, what happens is he finds his miracle. And then Jesus says, don't tell anyone. You know, quite interesting. So here's the one heart of the one father. And, and, and like I said, I'm really just rushing through here with time. I'm going to jump into the other example of uh, Galatians 3 speaks about the father of our faith, which is Abram. But I'm going to jump back to Genesis, the book of Genesis. And uh, we'll see in uh, um, Genesis chapter 21, we see the promises that God gives to Abram. And gives these promises about your seed which will be, you know, as the sand of the sea and as the, um, the stars of the sky, you know, your, your descendants. And he gives all these amazing promises 
to Abraham in chapter 21. But um, I want us also just to have a look in that quickly. I'm going to jump into chapter 22, Genesis chapter 22. Um, so uh, if you want to turn there, I will refer to that just so that you know where it is. So it's Genesis 21, these promises are given, and then suddenly there's this Genesis 22. All right, so... Um, so now the promises were given about Isaac, and you know, I mean, he never had children. And um, I mean, we waited 12 years before my daughter arrived. So, <laughs> waiting is also what we understand. And, um, but there's the perfect time and there's the due time. And um, some of us might be waiting for promises to be fulfilled in our lives. But God uses time because he lives outside of time. But in time is where we are transformed and changed. So yeah, we have Abraham and he's the father of our faith. As say Galatians 3 says that. And, um, and I, just that you understand his heart as well a bit. So there's Abraham and he gives the promise. And for, for many of us, there's promises that have been given. But in Genesis 22... The scenario changes where God says, right now, the promise I've given you, I want you to give back. Some of us have promises or words from God. Dreams. God says, right, I said I would give this to you, but now I'm asking you to give it back. Whatever may be word that, or promise that God has given you. Um, you see, God says, you know that one thing, that promise that I've given you, this is it? Right, give it back to me now. And um, you see, some of us are fighting because we're dragging God to the miracle, all right? And some of us are about to fight about what we actually have and love. My future, my this, my children, my relationships, whatever. We've, we've been fighting, you know, bringing God to, the, to see the miracle. But now, you know, this is what I love. This is what is, you know, you've given me, God. This is from you. Anyone ever felt that, Lord, this is from you? This is from Yes, it is from God. God tells Abraham to go up the mountain. And... Uh, um, he tells, so he tells one, takes Abram one side and he tells Abram, listen, I want you to go up the mountain. I want you to um, sacrifice your son. You see, the son was the promise. What is your promise? What is it that you haven't sacrificed? So, yeah, he goes and he's going to go up the mountain. And uh, you see, the thing is that um, often we struggle. Uh, the struggle is, often the struggle is not if, we hear from God, but what we do after we've heard from God. <laughs> Not like, Lord, I, I, didn't hear. I heard this from you, but the struggle is after we've heard from God, what do we do with that? So, um, and then, uh, so often the response to what God says many times affects the outcome of the promise. Our response to what God said affects 
the outcome of promises. So, he takes his son. You see, Abraham had a choice. Because he had the promise. He could have walked away from there. But he takes his son. And uh, so whatever God asks us to do, we have a choice. If we don't follow through, listen to me. If we don't follow through, we might avoid the pain, but not get the blessing. So yeah, we get the promise. God has said this. God then says, I want this what I've given you, I want you to give back. So sometimes we follow through with the word that God has given us because we want to avoid the pain. But God has said this. So we don't follow through when God says give it back. What I've asked you and called you for. And we actually miss, miss the blessing. Did you get that? So Abram says yes. you know, And he takes two of his servants and his son. And at the base of the mountain he tells the two servants. He says listen you guys remain behind. And, uh, you know, just wait here. And he goes up with Isaac up on the mountain. But you see, Abram actually goes and he prophesies over himself. And he says the following. He says, I'm going up the mountain to go and worship. I'm going up the mountain to worship. He's prophesying over himself in that choice that he's made to the promise. Abram did not know what was going to happen. He didn't know what was going to happen. The thing is that some of us, what God wants us to do is wants us to be prophetic while we are in the pain. While we are in the pain of choices, God wants us to be prophetic. And that is worship. Some of you need to start prophesying in the midst of your pain. Prophesying is saying what God is saying. It's contrary to what you might be experiencing. I believe that all of us here are servants in this house. We are servants of the Most High. But often sons go where servants cannot go. We're all, we're all servants in this house. I say, but often sons can only go where servants cannot go with a father. It is imperative that we interact in this culture 
in this of sons and daughters and moms and fathers because in this house, in this Breakthrough City Church, there are sons and daughters. There's mothers and there's fathers. You see, we're not building for this generation alone. We're building for generations to come for the call that's on this house, the city, the region, the nation, the nations. You see, I don't know if you realize, but Isaac would have asked, where's the sacrifice? All right. So, you know, (laughs) and Abram said, listen, don't worry. God's going to figure this out. Don't worry. We'll figure this out. And uh, you see, because Abram had a word from the Lord and stuck with that. Isaac, at this stage, what we can gather, he was probably around early 20s, between 18, 20, 20 years or so, because Abram was 120 years old, yeah. He wasn't a little boy. He could think about, okay, it's just my father and I going up here. My father's got the knife. We've got, where's the sacrifice? What do you think the conversation was on that trip? You see, that's why the servants had to stay behind. Because it was only the son they could go with. In Genesis 22, verse 9 and 10, it says this. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abram stretched out his hand. And took the knife to slay his son. You know, as as a as a father, um, Abram. He, he he obviously had this chat there with his son, and uh, and he obviously said what he's about to do. He didn't just say hands up, put cuffs on. He spoke to his son. He says, I'm about to sacrifice you, buddy. Now, I will chat to Abram one day, and I'll have a chat. Just tell me how this went down. I need to understand this even more. Um, And so he tells his son, basically, you must have told him what I'm about to do. I'm going to sacrifice you because he has the altar. Um, Abram would have said, the following, Abram would have said to him, I need you to trust me. And Isaac had a choice. You see, Abram had to have a very difficult conversation in this. I mean, the intensity of what was happening here. Um, And I want to say, even as sons or daughters in this church, there might be questions about, okay, how are things, how do things go forward? What is the thing of the assignment of this house? How do things look ahead? You see, but Isaac might be saying, you know, I see the knife. I see the altar. What are we doing? And as a church culture, uh, we have been challenged um, and blessed 
at the same time. All of us, we've been challenged. And there's always this tension in the kingdom of God. There's always a tension. We are challenged, but there's also blessing, what we go through. So, um, you know, this is what Isaac had to do. Isaac, listen to me, this is what Isaac had to do. He's the son of Abram. Isaac had to choose to lay down his life for a vision. He never heard from the Lord. Did you hear what I said? Isaac hadn't got the vision or the word from the Lord. Abram got it. But he had to lay his life down for the word which he hadn't heard from the Lord. But Abram did. His father heard the word. He had to allow himself to be in such... Listen to me. This is the key. He had to be in such a relationship with his father and connection with his dad that he could trust him. That's the thing of sons and daughters. Because remember, where we've got hurt, we cannot trust until God restores trust. And Isaac obviously would have said, listen, I completely trust you because of the relationship. What we've said over years here is what is so important is the connection, is the relationship. There's no perfect person. Jesus is. That's why we have forgiveness. I know your heart after God, and if this is what you need to do, I'm going to do that. That was the heart of Isaac. Because Abram's heart was after God. And Isaac knew that. And therefore he said, I know what you need to do. It's fine, I trust you, because I trust God. Because your connection with God, I know. You see, the trust that a son puts in a father is what he started to reflect. So, um, we know further on what the story is, what happens here, and uh, he's about to actually take the knife and to kill, sacrifice Isaac, and God says, no. (laughs) Shoo! (laughs) I mean, I think I would have dried, needed dryer clothes after that. But, uh, but I'm serious. Hey, guys, I, I, we have no idea what, what went down there. But we can learn from what has happened. And we start to see and fill in the details here. Um, because, you see, God said, don't do that. I've provided a sacrifice. There's the ram in the thicket. Bring it out. So Isaac is so relieved and glad, I'm sure, But, listen to me, he does not get that response without his dad. The son doesn't get the response of the breakthrough without the father. Abram does not get to have what response, that response, without 
He's son. It was them working together. And in the kingdom, uh, over the years, I've come across so many, so many amazing, amazing Christians that really just carry the orphan spirit. And yet, the dreams of both don't get fulfilled. It's fathers and sons. It's mothers and daughters. Because it takes two to find their miracle in the middle of pain. <laughs> it takes two. In the miracle of... God gives a miracle in the pain we go through because God has always connected the hearts of fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. We've never meant to do this journey alone. That's why our heart is even in this house and, and what God is going to take forth even from here and the places where we're involved is that, that we'll have and carry the heart of the Father because the heart of the Father was in the Son, Jesus. It's an Isaac who lays down. It's a father who gets to fulfill the call on his life. It's the Lord then says to Abram, your seed will be blessed. That word that was spoken to Abram is as much a word to Isaac. Isaac does not get to live in fulfillment to everything he's called to without Abram. This house, as I said, is filled with sons and daughters, fathers and mothers. And I really believe we have an opportunity that God has called us to, even where we're stepping in from now, and even to the, a new season, a new year, to really cultivate the relationships in the house. And um, if we don't do that, we're going to actually have sons and daughters who carry things up the, mount, up the mountain but never lay their lives down for you. We don't want people carrying stuff, but people who sacrifice. To the sons and the daughters in the house, it's your responsibility to cultivate relationships with your dad's Father's in the place. If you don't cultivate the relationships, you will drop what you're carrying and run away from all the blessings God has for you. That thing I've said before, 
10 lepers needed a miracle. They got the miracle. Jesus healed them. They showed themselves. They went to the priest, showed themselves. But only one came back to Jesus. Many Christians get the breakthroughs, the miracles, the promise, but they actually lose the blessing. I've had, I had meetings, not someone in this church, so don't worry. I had, like even this week, I had a meeting with someone. And, you know, what really just touched my heart was so that they received literally miracles. Miracles. I won't give detail, but, um, and they have it all. In material, in sta- status, whatever. And yet the conversation went along the line of, I have all this and that, but I just, I, I just, there's no purpose in my life. You see, sons will get, they've got access, they'll get access to things, but they don't come into the blessing and to fulfillment of purpose and destiny. But they've got something. And that's why Jesus comes on the scene, he says, If you see me, you've seen the Father. I only do what the Father shows me, what I see him doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. That there's such, John 17, there's such a connectivity in relationship. And Jesus lays down his life for what the Father's will is. Not my will, but your will be done. God sets such an amazing example. Then he comes and he uses Abram and Isaac. And it's such a sweet, 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 sweet. Just kiss of heaven of understanding the Father's heart for us. That the assignment he has for us as a house is laid up in the relationship of trust to see mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, both come into fulfillment of heaven on earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven that we will see a mature church, a bride arise on earth and that God's glory will be seen through the church. Amen. Alright, so I to crash land there um, and uh, you might have had some negative experiences of trust. Some of you might have grown up without fathers or with fathers without the connectivity. But don't fear in this house to trust the fathers in this house. And the only way you overcome that is by the relationship that you choose. Amen. Let's stand. I want to pray for you. Father, I want to just pray for everyone in this house, everyone also listening online and those people that are connecting to us across different places. And Father, I want to pray that um, we'll truly understand what it means to be fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, that we'll not just be servants, but that we'll actually be sons and daughters that can walk and go further. And that at the end of the day that we can finish the race that we can finish the course 
and that you'll be glorified, Father. And I just pray that this word will resonate and rest in the hearts of those that are here and those that will be listening to this message. That you be glorified through those relationships, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.